Hello and welcome to the Storytelling with Pug podcast. We will, as always, start with a story. Chapter one. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in this same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall. It's a habit. But my eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five. I walk down another street. That was a story by Portia Nelson. It's a brilliant story. And we're going to discover a little bit more about why you chose that story in a second uh, and also find out so much more about you, Lucy. Thank you for reading it. But for now, let's have a quick introduction to the podcast. You're listening to Storytelling with Puck, the podcast designed to show the power of stories in life and in business. Stories connect us on a deeper level, which is why we'll be sharing chatting about and feeling the impact they have on every one of us. Your host, Stefano, is the founder of Puck Creations and we work with your business to define a clear, consistent, relevant brand which stands out from the crowd. We use that brand to create content that makes your audience think, feel and take action. Visit puckcreations.com to find out more. Before you do that, try something with me. I want you to think back, way back. Think about all of the people you once knew. Some of them will be long gone. Some will still be part of your life today. Think about the things they told you, their stories, their demands, their rules, their norms, their pats on the back, their kicks in the teeth. What did you learn from them? Maybe it's time to unlearn all of that and start a new story. But I don't know what I'm talking about. That's why I've brought the fabulous NLP and mindset coach who's calling it half time. Her name is Lucy Griffinstiff and she's about to introduce herself. Lucy, throw off all the baggage and tell us who you are. <laughs> Thanks for that. Hi, yes, I'm Lucy Griffinstiff and I help people be happier in life and more productive at work. And I do this in a number of ways, but the most relevant one for us today, I think, is I help people unlearn old stories they've been telling themselves and relearn and rewrite a better one. Brilliant. So unlearning old stories, um, I, I think just hearing that might sound, might be quite confusing to some people. They might, they might wonder what you mean. How can you unlearn something? So essentially, in the first half of your life, you pick up other people's stories, other people's expectations, other people's values. You are surrounded by culture. You're surrounded by other people's 
thoughts, beliefs, um, you know, just everything that you suck up like a sponge when you're tiny. And the thing is, is not all of it that you're told is either true or is relevant for you. But what we can do is we can just go through life, through the whole first half of our life, and believe these things and believe things that somebody might have once told us, whether it's helpful or not helpful, um, is actually true for us. And you'll find, and I mean, particularly people of my generation struggle with this because their parents were just doing the best they could with what they knew. And they were brought up by parents who were sort of Victorian <laughs> and all this stuff gets passed down through the generations. So, um, you know, that all that sort of be seen and not heard, um, you know, be a good girl all of this sort of conditioning that you don't really notice is conditioning starts to set programs in your brain. And your brain just basically creates, it's like a supercomputer and it creates patterns and it creates habits and it, it decides on how it wants to filter and process the information um, around you and, and, and your decisions and your beliefs and everything. And so you suck up all this stuff from other people and then take some of it on as your own. But what, as you mentioned, half time is all about is I think you generally get to a point in your life where you start to question some of these thoughts and beliefs and you go, hang on a minute, somebody said that, but actually I'm seeing something or thinking something or feeling something that is challenging whether that's true. And you have some kind of sort of awakening. And, and it's at that point that you can go, do you know what? I, I want to rewrite this story. I don't have to believe that anymore. And you can unpick it and say, oh, now the reason why they might have thought that or said that is probably this. And it was probably meant with good intentions but it doesn't have to be true anymore. And a lot of people, this, the root of this all goes down to not feeling good enough. Um, you okay. know, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not, you know, whatever it is enough, clever enough. Um, and the root cause usually comes back to people feeling that deep inside when it isn't actually true. It's just because of what they picked up around them. And their brain sucked it in like a sponge. And they were too young to question um, whether it was right or wrong. Does that make sense? It does make a lot of sense. Um, there's so many points to pick up on there, so I'm, I'm going to try my best. I, know, I realized <laughs> I was speaking for quite a while there. Oh, no, no, not at all. Um, I, 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 you needed to to get the, the, the message across, but at, at the same time, for um, people who aren't uh, familiar with what you do and, and, and how you help, and, and, and also who maybe haven't thought about their lives in this way before, um, it can throw you back a little. It can make you go, well, hang on a minute. I, do I want to get rid of the things I've learned? And this is not what you were saying, but sometimes it can almost seem like an affront. Um, well, actually, I loved everything my parents taught me. I, I, I thought that my school was the best school in the world. I, I will never stop supporting the football team I support because I'm part of that tribe. I will... Um, it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what their fans do. It doesn't matter how they react. And if it goes against my values, I'm part of that tribe. Um, I will never stop being affiliated with the political party that I'm affiliated with because my parents and their parents and their parents and their parents were always affiliated with that political party. We, we're often brought up to not just understand, but embrace tribal mentality. Mm. And there are benefits to that. Um, often we talk about in business creating your tribe because your tribe are going to be the ones who support you and going to be the ones who um, love you and tell everybody else about who you are. So if you think about all of this stuff, I imagine that some people, when you say to them, actually, I want you to unlearn 
these processes, these ideas, etc., at the start of your life, it, it can be hard to understand and also embrace. Um, so I guess my question is how how do you approach this with people? How how do you get them to start to unpick the bits that definitely weren't quite as beneficial when they were growing up? Well, this is the point. It's it's the unhelpful bits that we want to change. And you know, you don't have to completely change your, you know, everything, you know, but it's it's the unhelpful bits. It's when you start to realise that you've been getting in your own way. Um, whether you, you know, you, you you've got but you've got bad habits, you um whether you are being holding yourself back by procrastinating or by perfectionism, or you're one of those people who has a really bad habit of catastrophizing a situation. And, you know, and going through a whole story until you get to some sort of catastrophe at the ending, you know, and the whole world's going to end if this happens. There's, there's so many different sort of elements of self-sabotage that we can identify that are holding people back or stopping them from moving forwards or not quite reaching their full potential. And people begin to notice that. They begin to notice that they're getting a bit stuck. Um, and when you notice that you're in that sort of position of something's not quite right or I'm stuck or I know I'm holding myself back and you recognise that, that's when you're ready to do something about it. There'll be lots of people who go through their whole life who won't ever do this work. And, you know, that's up to them. And it's probably a shame. But if you do, it is it's really enlightening. And it, it totally changed my life when I let go of things I didn't really even know I was holding on to. I hadn't really thought that deep down within me I had some something within me that was saying I'm not good enough um I hadn't realized that and I mean it, it probably came from a no fault of my dad I don't want him to, if he listens to this I don't want him to feel bad but <laughs> my dad had this phrase and it was don't compare yourself with the worst compare yourself with the best and he used to say that to my brother and I all the time when we were growing up, right? And um, um, my brother almost pretty much was the best at everything. <laughs> so it was really hard for me because I'd been told to compare myself with the best all the time. So it was like, well, you, you know, comparing yourself with your brother who's the best at everything, comparing yourself with other people in the world who are the best at everything, that in your subconscious is going to make you believe, well, I'm, I can't be good enough because I've got to compare myself with the best all the time. So, you know, that created a subconscious pattern in my in my life where I hadn't realized it had been affecting my thoughts my beliefs my behaviors my actions um you know the way I've been I, I'm feeling the way I beat myself up about things um you know I just didn't know that and when I did this mindset work myself before I started moving into this this arena um to actually help other people I was like wow I had just hadn't I just hadn't realized that that was there and then when I let it go I was like oh my god like it was like a, the weight had literally lifted off my shoulders. And all of a sudden, I really didn't care so much about what other people thought, not in the way that I used to. Um, right. So it was, you know, it's just, it's so enlightening. But it is about trying to identify for people what their specific things are that are getting in their way. And then there's the various different methods you can use to, to re rewrite it. That makes a lot of sense. And... Um... It's interesting. I think so many people will relate to your childhood story. I think so many people have parents who say not exactly the same saying as your dad used to say, which is why, as you clearly pointed out, it's not it's not blaming anyone. It's not your dad's fault. It's just the way that life um, has developed over time. Who will have the 
I'm not good enough complex. But as you say, not everyone will have it for the same reason. People will have it for different reasons. Talk to me a little bit more about with your situation. You mentioned that you didn't realize there was anything holding you back. Um, And then you talk about you got to the stage where you realized actually the things that had been told to you as a kid were part of the reason that you were often feeling anxious and stressed and not good enough and, and, and in that mindset. How did you, how did you narrow it down? Because you talk about identifying it with your um, clients. How does that process start? What questions are you asking to, to narrow it down? you generally just start having a conversation and about how people how people's life is how they're feeling um you know where are they now where do they aspire to be where do they want to get to and then you sort of say well what do you think could be getting in your way what do you think might be stopping you and they'll come up with something and then you'll ask another question to go a bit deeper and it's just about the coaching questions essentially it is it's listening and sort of trying to hear the things that maybe they're not saying. Um, so a lot of it at, at the beginning is just about listening to someone and trying to get you know an understanding of that person and how they tick. Um, and there's a lot of, sort of things that you'll subconsciously notice about what they're saying when they're saying it. Um, it's you know you need a, you need to work with a coach or a therapist you know essentially to to do this work. Um, and yeah, and it's just it's just the skill of the. It's just the skill of the conversation, really. And, and you just direct it as, as you need you to dig a bit deeper, get a bit deeper, get a bit deeper until you can unearth what you think is at the root cause of this problem. And people will often, they will come up with it eventually. They'll go, oh, and it'll be like this light bulb <laughs> moment. And they'll be like, oh, my God, I just never realised that, you know, because my dad has always said that, you know, oh, work, you know, work has to be difficult and painful and nobody enjoys it and blah 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 blah. my dad didn't say that by the way but (laughs) but i've worked with people people who you know their parents hated their jobs and told them that work is hard and work has to be difficult and blah 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 and believed it um so sort of got themselves stuck in jobs and situations that they just carried on doing even though they weren't happy because well, work is hard, you know, it's not I'm not meant to be able to enjoy it. And you could just turn that around and say, yeah, but is that actually true? You know, <laughs> does it have to be true? And who says? Who says, is that your thought or is it somebody else's thought? Is that your father speaking or is it you speaking? If you were to speak, what would you say? You know, and you just start, it's just through clever questions, essentially, that you can start to unpick that old thinking and go actually no that isn't mine that isn't my belief i've picked that up from somebody else but it doesn't have to be true in fact i can enjoy work in fact what would be enjoyable for me is blah 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 blah. and so you know are you allowed to do that yes yes i am you know do you give yourself a bit yeah oh yeah and it, it's as if they're like oh god it's like i've got this secret parent in my head trying to tell me what to do even though i'm a grown adult <laughs> that's I like the idea of the secret parent actually I think we all have that to an extent um, and, and as you say at least until you uncover it and you realize um, what's what's going on there's always there's always a niggle there's always something there's always someone and um, what's interesting I guess in the modern world 
And this has always happened to an extent, actually. It's not just the modern world, but, but it's amplified with social media. Is You talked earlier about it. So is it it's not just parents. It's culture. It's your surroundings. It's mm-hmm. um, the school you went to. It's um, the place that you ended up living, um, which is next door to somebody else who has a nicer garden. It's, it's the work that you do with John, who always seems to get um, promoted before you. Um, it's, it's all of those kind of things um, that impact you. But how much more is it amplified with the dawn of social media? And does it make any difference um, that social media exists? Or actually, is that just a way of realising that it's happening? Do you realise how big a question that is? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) Does it really matter that social media exists? Well, where shall we start? Um, and I hope you can uncover it for everybody in the world. Oh, that's it. I'm just going to this, yes. this world problem right here, right now <laughs> on your podcast. Um, not really. Um, so, social media, that doesn't help at all with the comparisonitis problem that we all suffer with, to a degree, to a bigger or lesser degree. Um, and I think it's something that it, it's quite hard for young people to learn because they naturally, when they do grow up, they, they do compare. You know, it's just one of the other ways of learning and seeing what's going on in the world. The trick is to be able to sort of distance yourself from that and not take it too personally or not feel like you need to have or need to be doing what other people are doing. Or you don't need to follow that tribe if it doesn't feel right for you. But there's so many social pressures and peer pressures today for young people with social media that I, I'm just so glad it didn't exist when I was younger um, because it is it is a huge pressure. And I think the other thing with social media is the, the attention span of kids has just got less and less and less. People are mm-hmm. very much used to quickly um, scrolling and quickly having a, a dopamine hit by a like on my post or whatever it is. And they, they've just, they just want stuff quicker and more and they can't focus so much. They're very much, I mean, even my daughter, she's, eight and she's not on social media but she'll probably have youtube on the telly and then be on facetime to her friend on on the ipad you know and i'm like she's eight (laughs) i didn't even have you know computers didn't even exist back then when i was when i was young so um yeah they, they just they're constantly multitasking and multitasking as we know or if you don't know is really not good for you at all. You're much better to focus. It's more about that actually, because you say you say as we know, and and, and I know you changed it then too. Maybe you don't know, but, yeah. but but actually, I think lots of people will see multitasking as a great thing. Lots of people will say, well, actually, if I can get five tasks done in the same period of time it takes me to do um, to do one, then surely I'm succeeding. What is it about multitasking? Where's the problem lie? With, where, where does the problem lie with multitasking? So, essentially, your brain is focusing on one thing. And if you focus on one thing and you do it well, you get into a state of flow and you're focusing on that thing and you actually are more likely to get it done at a better quality and quicker if you just go in and focus on that thing. But then if you get interrupted by something else and something else and something else, your brain has to switch channel and it gets out of the flow that it was in with one thing and starts thinking about something else. So you kind of you miss those moments of being in the zone. Um, mm-hmm. when you're trying to do too many things at once so although it is possible to do lots of things at once it's actually not the most efficient way for your brain to function um, 
So you're not going to do your best work if you're trying to do too many things at once and you're not getting into that focus flow state because your brain's constantly having to interrupt and search for new patterns. That makes a lot of sense. I, I guess you could always think of it like, um, especially with older cars, um, having to start the car engine um, and waiting for it to, to kick in um, and then realising that actually you might need to do something with the radio um, so you don't actually kick into gear to start driving because you're doing something on the radio and then you pick up your phone to do a text message and you're not actually concentrating on driving and this is often the cause of crashes because you're not concentrating on what you're doing fully, you're concentrating on something else. So then yeah. maybe you turn your car off to to do that something else but then you have to start the car again to go whereas if you just started the car driven to your destination turned it off set up the radio settings so that it comes on when you start the car next time um, send your text message whatever it is you want to do <laughs> then it's not the best example the radio was uh was was, was an off the passport but um, but yeah uh, send your text message do whatever it is you need to do separately then actually as you mentioned each thing is getting done quicker um and you can get out of the car and move yeah, and you make to whatever mistakes, you're next. you know because if you're not focused and you're juggling you you, you might drop a ball somewhere um yeah. so you know it, it, you're just not focused in the moment and i know we all have to do it particularly parents as well you know if you've got a baby but you still want to you know do the dusting or, or whatever it is you know you can try and do many things at once but you're probably just not going to do them at your best is all right okay um, that makes a lot of sense. And, and it, it, it's another thing, again, where uh, lots of people are, are, are taught at a younger age that multitasking can be a really useful thing to do, because, again, they might, even without being told, they might watch other people multitasking all the time um, and think, well, that's clearly the best way to do things. So you get into the habit um, and habits are maybe a key word here. Um, because I think that's possibly what you're referencing is the idea of you fall into habits, um, but you don't necessarily realise that you've fallen into. Them. Yeah, exactly. Subconscious habits, because only 5% of what we do each day is actually using our conscious brain. 95% is all on a subconscious operating system. So that, that supercomputer in your head has had to learn because there's so much going on around us and there's so many things for us to do, let alone, you know, keep the body running and breathing and the blood pumping around. There's all of that that your body's got to do. So your brain's just keeping that ticking in the subconscious. Then there's all the stuff around you in your environment that you're constantly filtering to check that you're safe or, you know, or to, to interpret in whatever way your brain's going to interpret it. So there's so much, over 60,000 thoughts you have a day. You've got to have subconscious processes to deal with that stuff. So it basically creates an autopilot. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, what it's learned over the years. So this is where these these younger beliefs and whatever come into play and these stories that you've been told, et cetera, because those beliefs basically create thoughts, behaviors, and then habits. And a lot of them just get programmed subconsciously. If this, then that, if this, then that, if this, then that, so that you don't have to think about it. You're not taking up this mental capacity at the front of your head um, to have to consciously know what to do in this situation. You just automatically know what to do in a situation. You know, if somebody's throwing a, a ball towards your head you're not consciously thinking i'm going to dodge out of the way of that ball towards my head you just do it don't you yeah so yeah your you, your brain has just have to become this magical habit pattern creating machine so the way you get triggered by other people or certain emotions that will have been formed years ago in some form of subconscious pattern which has created a habit for how 
you happen to react to a situation. And every single person is different because every single person has a unique set of circumstances, a unique life, a unique brain. And the way that your patterns have formed within your brain are totally different to somebody else. So, you know, that's why other people's opinions, it's fine for everyone to have an opinion, but it doesn't have to be the same as yours because it's just their perception. Mm -hmm. You know, I say in my, I haven't mentioned my book actually, but I say in my book, opinions are just perceptions that have been through a belief filter. And that's, that's literally all they are. We just perceive the world around us based on our unique set of experiences and the stuff that we learned. And no two experiences are going to be the same, just like no two stories will be the same. So, you know, if one person has seen, let's say, seen an accident and another person has seen an accident and then another person was in the accident, you ask those three people what happened. They're never going to tell it exactly the same, <laughs> which is a bit of a worry for the law, I find. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. There's actually, a, a, I think, quite a skill in trying to decipher the truth uh, when it comes to uh, situations like that, as you say, to be able to work out is there is there a common theme is there a common fact across all of these stories and if there is then that's the most likely thing to have actually happened and the where are the things that differentiate why did it differentiate what was the perception etc and then also the people deciphering the truth in law are going to have their own opinions yeah. their own thought base as well um, yeah. which is why and I, I i don't know what they do here but i know from america or from TV programs that I've watched in America. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, um, they, they, they pick the jury, don't they? They, they, like, they go yes. through and they interview members of the jury and they have special people who are like jury consultants and they try and basically work out who's going to be more favourable to our client um, based on their perhaps their unconscious bias. So yeah. it, it literally is, oh, how does that, what's, what's this person's life like? How are they reacting to this? You know, you, you, somebody keeps an eye on their body language, um, and, you know, and then they basically they knock them off the list if they think actually they're not going to be helpful. They're likely to go against my client. Let's knock them out of the jury. And, that, and that's the jury selection process. So, I mean, the whole the whole process is, is a bit worrying. <laughs> It is. It is a bit worrying. I've often thought that actually. Um, I, I, I like you. I don't know what the system is in the UK, and I don't officially know what the system is in the states either, because um, most of my uh, understanding of it has come from uh, TV programs and books, etc. Too. Um, but I, there is there is definitely a process that people go through to um, to select jurors, and as you say, it's it, it's often based on them understanding subconscious better than. This, maybe the jurors themselves understand their own subconscious and 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 as you say that can be problematic what if one lawyer understands um subconscious or better than another does that mean you get a slightly biased um uh, set of jurors um because one lawyer is better at picking the jurors than the others and so you can have issues because of that um and again it all comes back to all of these different stories and, and this understanding Going, going back to the personal story, though, um, because uh, there's, there's a little bit that I wanted to dig in further with. Uh, we talked already about when you speak to your clients and you help them to understand what has triggered a thought process, what has triggered a habit, what has triggered the subconscious. The next step would be well, I guess there's probably a step in between. I was going to say the next step would be to change it. 
I guess the next step would actually be to decide whether or not you want to change it. Um, and then the first step after that would be to change it. But is understanding enough and then you can do something or are there other things we need to do in between? So, I mean, awareness is always the first step. Becoming aware of something, becoming aware of a habit or um, of a particular belief or behaviour that you either don't want to believe anymore or you want to change. Maybe there's a behaviour that you want to change. You know, maybe you want to stop smoking. Um, you know, whatever it is, there's, there, there is a way. There is a way. There's always a way to learn from our magnificent guests on Storytelling with Puck. Lucy Griffin-Stiff has already explained the challenges of social media, multitasking and falling into bad habits. She'll talk more about unpacking beliefs, stories and timeline therapy in the second half. I, for one, can't wait. Still, before all of that, and before the Puck creation story, here's someone else to whet your storytelling appetite. Andrew Forbes, over to you. We're all in the persuasion business, whether that's pitching to a potential client, selling ourselves in a job interview, or convincing a teenager to tidy their room. How we frame our message and how we deliver it makes all the difference. And this is the theme of my podcast, Leaning Forward. I'm Andrew Thorpe. I'm a speaker, a trainer, and a storyteller. And I'd love you to tune in to our latest episode. But it all, you know, it all just depends on, it, it, there are so many different methods. A lot of it is you start with awareness, then you just start to ask the right questions. I have something that I call a belief filter and you take people through this belief filter and it's a conscious um, change process where you just, you rethink, you're rethinking what you've said you've always believed to check whether it really is 100% true. Um, okay. So there's a, there's a whole set of questions. Um, and in fact, you'll find those questions in my book. Um, but there's a, whole, there's a whole set of questions that you can go through to basically unpick these beliefs and then to turn it into something more productive. So if you want to change a habit or a behavior, you want to stop something that you're doing self-sabotaging wise. Um, let's say, you, you know, you've been a perfectionist all your life, but actually you realize it's not helping you because it's stopping you from putting things out there. Um, but you want to be able to do that. But you, you just can't force yourself to do it. You can unpick that. So, you know, there's a whole filter of questions you can go through. But then there's also from, from the emotional side, there are other things that you can use like timeline therapy, which I think is a sort of magical process. And that Explain is... Explain that a little bit to our listeners, if you don't yeah, mind. So what, timeline what therapy is a conscious, unconscious cooperation process. So it's a bit like hypnotherapy, but not quite. Um, you basically have to get into the zone of your sort of get, get into your head. And then we travel along your timeline right back to the first root cause incident that might have triggered a negative emotion like anger, sadness, fear, hurt or guilt. So let's say you might have, I sort of explained before about the if this then that patterns of the brain. Yeah. In, so in timeline therapy, it's based upon sort of gestalt theory. And that is that if you imagine you've got a string of pearls, and all these string of pearls is emotions. The very first one on that string of pearls, whenever you were very first triggered to feel anger, let's say, mm -hmm. that, that went on. Then the next time 
and you know you were triggered to feel anger another one went on and another one went on and another one went on and as you get older you've got this whole string of pearls of as to the what is triggering you in terms of anger and what you can do in timeline therapy is you can go back to the root cause of the problem and basically through the sort of the words in the script that we use in a sort of hypnotherapy type of way we can we can let it go essentially we take the learnings we take all the learnings that we need to take from that situation and we realize that actually it's okay and we can smash up that string of pearls so that all of those things aren't connected anymore do you, does, does that make sense it, it does make sense it, it's almost um at least in my head i i i have ways of picturing things <laughs> to, to, to help but it's it's it's, it's almost like the uh, say it's a pearl necklace. The pearl necklace is, is is wrapped around your neck, and you've got the the core of the necklace right up um, tied around your uh, uh, the the base of your neck. Um, and as you go through this process, you're able to take the necklace off um, the back of your neck and just put it down to one side, so it's no longer attached to you. It still exists. These things still happen. You're not you're not saying it didn't happen anymore, but it's not on you. It's not it's not literally wrapped around your neck anymore. It's now off yeah. your neck and, and therefore you're just, the weight's. You're releasing kind of being... all the emotions that you have kept pent up that were linked to that emotion. You're releasing everything that's, that's sort of chained itself together and and letting it go. It's it's a real sort of just let it go process. And that is a proper, you know, weight off your shoulders process because you you basically in, in timeline therapy you do the top five, which is anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt. And it's people are just holding on to that stuff. I mean, they just are. <laughs> so if you can yeah. sort of release from the first half of your life all of that stuff that you've been holding on to that you didn't even realise that you were holding on to that actually affects how you react to things, you can start afresh because you know you're not holding on to the old baggage anymore and you can start moving forwards with sort of a clearer mind and more awareness of your emotions, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It's both fascinating and, and, and quite beautiful. Um, there, there's a beauty, I think, to what you do because the, the whole release, the, the freedom of, uh, as you say, I think everyone has something that is probably weighing them down in some way to a lesser or greater degree. What's also interesting is you talk about, we talked so far in the podcast about conquering thoughts by thinking back and understanding where some of the reactions and the emotions that you have come from. You've also talked about using timeline therapy to actually um, conquer the heart and the things that you feel. And then I guess in a sense, you're then taking, taking action because you're then going forward with the second half of your life and doing things, doing things differently. And, and the reason uh, that cropped up in my mind as being fascinating is because when we talk about how we work with our clients um, at Procurations and, and how we, um, one of the reasons we create stories for them, because actually in the present, um, we're often tapping into feelings we're then using logic to get them to understand why something is useful and then asking them to take action and and that's often done with stories which i believe relates quite closely to to what you're talking about today as well and and, and it's why the power of stories i think is so impressionable it works so yeah we're wired for stories aren't we we're wired for stories that's the thing you know we, we've been telling them for generations it's the way that we've taught um, people to how to keep safe from the you know from the really olden days and the thing is the brain is also wired for a story it wants 
a beginning, a middle and an end, right? And if a story doesn't have a beginning, a middle and an end, you know what happens? Your brain just makes it up. <laughs> it literally so there's always up. a beginning and a middle and an end, yeah, even so, if there isn't a beginning and a middle and an end. It can be so frustrating, can't it? I remember years ago, back uh, early 2000s, when Lord of the Rings came out. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I, it wasn't that I was a fan, but I, I have a younger brother who's a big sort of Star Wars fan. And we thought, oh, I bet he'd like Lord of the Rings. And he'd not read it. I'd not read it. But we thought, oh, it's everyone's talking about it. So let's go to the cinema. So we both went to the cinema and we watched Lord of the Rings. And it's a long film. Yes. <laughs> it's a very long film. In fact, it's obviously you know, split into three. It's that long. And we were <laughs> getting right towards the end. And it had been really drawn out. And I, you know, I was desperate for a week as we'd been in there that long. And, um, and anyway, it was getting to the part of the action where we wanted to see what was happening next. And I joked... To my brother going, ha, the end. Can you imagine if it ended here, right? And then it did. Then it did. And I was like, no. And we literally, both of us in the cinema, out loud went, no. Because he's literally, Brooke Frodo had literally just got to the top of the mountain to see, like, Mordor or whatever. And we're like, oh, thanks yeah. God he can get there and he can go and put the ring in the fire and sort all that rubbish out. But no, it just stopped there. I love right that information of Lord of the Rings, by the way. You can just put it in a fire, sort all the rubbish out, it'll be done. That's it, simplified. It's a very simplified story. And, um, yeah, and like, we, we both couldn't believe it. We both couldn't believe it because they'd left us there hanging. And it just, that's so frustrating. And so the brain, mm. people in the brain do not like to be left hanging. So what they do is they fill in the gaps with their own information based on the past, based on their experiences, based on their brain patterns, and they just fill it in. And the brain will delete, distort, and generalize things in your brain in whatever way it wants to, based on your programming. And so, you know, this is how, when two, like we were talking about earlier, when two people tell a story, but it's not the same story, it's, it's just the way they've added in the information that suits what they're used to thinking. What they're used to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we actually had a guest on recently, um, Susan Payton, who uh, works mm. in a similar field to us in terms of uh, storytelling. And, and she talked about the idea, I can't remember how she worded it, it, it was much better than I'm about to. Um, but it was it was something along the lines of um, a, a story is not personal, it's communal, or something along those lines. And so even when you're sharing your story, by the time it gets to the receiver, um, it's changed. Because mm. you say it in the way that you think makes sense, but actually yeah. by the time they listen to it, they've got all of this other um, bits that are filling in any gaps that you've left to fill in. And we, we can't tell full stories which which have every single detail to people. It's, it's not impossible to do. So people will always fill in the gaps. And as you were about to say, I think, or elaborate, and I'll let you continue with that. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I just, I just think of people who are really good storytellers or, or really good at telling jokes. And you, know, you, might, you might have heard somebody's story or you might have heard somebody tell a joke, but it's the way that somebody delivers it or adds in a little bit of extra something that makes it funny. It's still the same story, but they've changed it and they've changed it for a reason, whether it's to make you laugh or whether it's to engage you in it or, or, or whatever it is. You can, you, people can just adapt them and technically it's the same story, but the way it's delivered, totally different. 
Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, there's a, a perfect example of that. I actually think is um, uh, I don't know if you have watched Mock the Week um, for for our UK mm-hmm. listeners. A lot of people watch will watch Mock the Week. Um, and Dara Reid, who hosts Mock the Week, I think he is an absolute god at being able to do that um, because he he has all of these um, comedians. Some of them who are new upstarts wanting to get their name out there, wanting to become more famous. Some of them who are a bit longer in the tooth. But what he does um, really well is some of them who are maybe struggling in a little bit to tell a great joke he doesn't bully them he doesn't try and you know better them instead he takes their joke and then he plays with it and he twists it slightly and almost gives it back to them as a gift to finish <laughs> i think that's uh, that's almost what you're talking about there the elaboration of the joke the elaboration of the story and then kind of getting everyone involved with it if you're a great storyteller i believe you can do that to mm. a degree that others others can't mm. um now, talking of stories and deadness links in quite nicely with books as well, you've mentioned a couple of times that you have a book. Tell us a little bit more about it. What's in it um, and what's the goal of it and, um, and, and, uh, and how does it help people? Yeah, I mean, how could I not mention my book? I should have said it in the introduction. <laughs> in fact, we might just edit this all out and just repeat the book title yeah. over and over again for the whole episode. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, well, it's, it's actually, it's a coaching book. It's it's a it's partly a book partly coaching exercises and partly a journal and it's called the create a life you love journal the ultimate life and mindset makeover so it sort of does what it says on the tin um (laughs) you know it's there to help people look at their life where they are now where they want to be and identify if there's anything mindset wise that has been stopping them from achieving that and then there's coaching exercises within it um, including that belief filter that I mentioned, that help you go through and basically discover what those old stories you've been telling yourself are and what those beliefs are that you formed from them um, and unpick them and choose what you want to believe next and rewrite the story. So it's, it's and the, sort of the first part really is explaining a lot of stuff about the brain um, that I have explained here and, and, and more. Um, so it's about understanding yourself, about understanding how your brain works, um, which kind of gives you the context. And, and it talks about the half time concept that I mentioned at the beginning, where you've probably spent the first half of your life, um, you know, living to other people's expectations and picking up other people's values. But have you ever sat there and taken time out to question, is this still true for me? Is this still going to work for me for where I want to really be in my life? What do I really want and how am I going to get there? Um, and what could be getting in my way. So th- that's essentially what it, what it does. Um, and you can actually write in it. I mean, I've made it big enough so you can actually um, write in it. And that's the whole purpose because, you know, journaling is another one of those things that really helps you unravel stuff in your brain, um, helps you process emotions. Um, so it's, yeah, it's kind of unp- it's helping people unpick their baggage, figure out what they want and get clear on, you know, what they want, why. And move forwards to to getting there um, so that's that's what it is and it really is just born out of the fact that it hurts my soul when I see people who <laughs> feel that they're not good enough you know okay. for pe- people who are holding themselves back in life but they don't necessarily need to they don't realize that some of this comes from their first half conditioning and they don't realize that and just by understanding about first half conditioning which the book explains um, you can then become aware and then you can start looking through, well, hang on a minute, there's a whole list of 
limiting beliefs in there that you can kind of go through and go, oh, hang on, I've probably got that one. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not pretty enough or I'm not thin enough or I'm not whatever it is enough. And you can, you can sort of let them, you can let them go and move forward. So it's a real, I just think it's, it's a gift. It's a gift for yourself or someone that you love because if you haven't, if you've got to the middle of your life and you haven't done this work yet, why not? What are you waiting for? That's what I think. You know, why, why keep trundling on on the same hamster wheel, you know, feeling like you're stuck or you've got no choice, when in fact, everything is a choice. You do have a choice. And if there's something stopping you from making choices, then you can let that go. I love that idea. And I think it will work for a lot of people. And I think having something tangible, which people can keep going back to in relation to the book, will be an amazing tool as well something that can um they can reference when when they need it a question that popped into my mind when you were explaining this though and and, and I, I, i'm interested into how this might work is once you've done this work once you have managed to work out the defining beliefs that were holding you back once you've managed to change how you do things going forward and and, and react in a different way what happens in say 10 or 15 years if either you fall back into old habits or you create habits that you thought were great when you did your half time, um, but actually aren't great for you 15 years later, can you keep on repeating this process and keep on going back? Or is there something else that you need to do to, I guess, continuously be consciously living rather than overusing the subconscious if that makes yeah, any sense well do you know what i think people just need to every few years buy a new copy of my book no we are um we are a constant evolution of ourselves this is the thing so yeah you, you can you can project forward and try and plan how you want life to be in one five or ten years time but really what you need to do is the small steps the small steps to the big vision and it might be that along the, on the process while you're doing these small steps that actually your vision spots something else and thinks actually i might want to change that and that's okay you know you can you can um so it, i think it is worth doing this sort of work at least every five years because we do change even though people think oh yeah i'm the same as i've always been actually you're not i'm absolutely not the same person that i was in my 20s or my 30s now that i'm in my 40s um i have changed i have evolved i've grown my priorities are different my values have moved into you know different priorities um i care about different stuff now than what i used to care about 10 years ago so it is worth doing this this work because we do change we do evolve we do grow and you know you're allowed to change your mind if you know if you change your mind you can change your life so that's a beautiful saying um and it, it, it's um something that i do quite a lot is uh, is i use meditation um i um i often follow guided meditation and sometimes i just I, i've got i've done it for so long now that i i, I just guide myself with, with meditation but what that does for me and I, and i think it relates to what we've been talking about today is it brings me back to the present so mm -hmm. i'm not actually thinking about all of the baggage that went before at that moment in time i'm it, it's something that oh, I agree we need we need to do to reflect upon but in the in the moment of meditation I'm not thinking about that I'm also not thinking about the everything that I want to happen in the future I'm just sitting with now 
I'm just in a point where I say, okay, I, I'm literally sitting. How am I feeling? What's going on? And then going, right, acknowledge that, and then letting it go, rather than chasing it or trying to push it away, if that makes sense. Now, I, I, I love that about meditation, but I, I think it, it, it can help to a, and, and it can help to a degree, but I think that actually if you have that backed up, with what you have been talking about today with actually analyzing what the initial causes are of a lot of your issues then i think that combination to me anyway can work really well what are your thoughts on on a meditation and how that helps and, and b how it can combine with what you've been talking about today yeah i mean meditation is brilliant it's actually it's so good to reset your nervous system so it's you know i think it's it's a really important tool that everybody could it's so simple and everybody could do mm. it and if you know and if you don't think you're up for meditation then breath work i think that's brilliant i do breath work every single day and it's just different sort of counts of you know in and out and holding your breath can actually reset your system to the point that you're almost so you know your body sort of recharges as you sleep and one of the things that i do when i'm struggling to sleep is do breath work because it's the next best thing to letting your body reset and reheal and regenerate your cells and all of that stuff so it's you know and it can if you're in a sort of a state of stress for example you know just some simple breath work can just calm your system right down because being in a constant state of stress is actually really bad for us it creates disease or dis-ease um, in your system so you know if you are one of those people who has a very stressful life meditation is ideal or breath work is ideal because your system needs time to stop and reset and calm down and recharge itself so i think it's it's really important to do that if you're one of those people who is just never stopping and constantly busy it'll be taking its toll on your body um, mm -hmm. and your mind so it's it's an absolute advocate of it i think it's you know i think it's brilliant and the other stuff that you can do with meditation or similar to um, is guided visualizations so you know instead of a guided meditation you could which is great for the present moment and all that everybody's got to you know try and <laughs> live in the present as well as thinking about what they want next um, so you can do guided visualizations and imagining you know imagine an ideal day in your future you know what would happen from the moment you woke up to the moment that you went back to bed again what would be happening in your day just imagine you know and, and, and you could take people through a guided visualization like that to help them envisage with the power of sort of conscious subconscious thought because you're in that sort of zone where you're focusing on possibilities um, and, and just being curious and just opening your mind and you might visualize a day there's nothing like the days that you're having and so you might be going oh there's a kind of a gap between what I'm imagining my ideal day is and how I'm actually spending my time. So what shall I do about that? And then you can, you know, choose those small steps to the to the big vision to help yourself get there. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I really like the idea of um, of of guided visualization because, as you say, it's it, some people might struggle with it, um, and I can understand why because they think, well if I'm visualizing something which is completely fake and the fairy tale, I'll never get there. But as you say, a lot of the time, you might not get to your ideal day, but if the gap between your day 
and your ideal day is huge, then if you can get halfway there, then actually that's a pretty good place to be. <laughs> You'll probably be quite happy. Um, uh, lots of our listeners will know that I, I used to work um, in sales and we had um, a, a, a brilliant creative um, called Simon who uh, used to come in and talk to um, customers about if money was no object, if you didn't have to worry about physical location, if you didn't have to worry about, uh, he had mentioned a few of the things that often constrain you before you decide to create an ad, before you decide to um, try and entice people into your world. What would you do? What would be your perfect ad? What would be your, your perfect scenario of what we could create for you? And people sometimes found it a little bit hard to get into this idea because they would think, well, I do have these constraints. I don't have this money, et cetera. But he would, he would push it and he would just go, okay, no, it's fine. I, I understand that, but let's just play with this for a second and see where we could go. And then as you said, once they came out with that and they realized what they wanted to do, and we'd already talked before about kinds of ideas they might have had when they did have all of these constraints, he would then ask questions about, well, you might not be able to get right here. And I'm pointing my hand up high for people who can't see a video. Um, because you don't have the money to get to this point. But actually, why do you have to be this low um, when there is this place which we can get to if we just tweak a few things, if we um, use different tools that we have um, at our disposal, and we can get you really close to this ideal scenario that you want to be in and not worry about some of the other constraints. And I think from a personal point, so that was obviously from a sales point of view, creating an ad um, for, for, for the radio. Um, but from a personal point of view, I think we can do something similar. We can yeah. find yeah, the bit that's close it's, to it. It's, it's, it's opening your mind, isn't it? It's opening your mind, being curious, thinking about what's possible. Because we can often rule ourselves out of things by believing that it isn't possible, but usually that is a limiting belief and you can go back somewhere and you can unpick that and rewrite it, you know, and, and yes, there are, there are constraints, but there are ways that you can reimagine um, getting closer to that ideal, you know, okay, what would that look like in your world? You know, you could, you could imagine that you, it's, it's a good, it's good to let your imagination and your subconscious sort of come up with things that you think you're going to really enjoy um, because you can find elements of that and, and as you say if the gap between where you are now and where you want to be is that huge there are definitely steps you can take to get you closer to it and all you have to do is realize that everything is a choice and, and you know and there are possibilities out there and just by doing a few things differently or thinking about things differently you can you can change you can change things so here's a fun question if you woke up tomorrow and um, were to have your ideal day, what would it be? Oh, <laughs> oh that's a big one. Um, it, and it often depends what, which perspective I'm looking at it from and how and, and also how old is my daughter at this time like do I still have to take her to school or could we be living you know somewhere well, else okay let's go back to what we were just talking about yeah there are no constraints there are there are however you want to set up your ideal day 
People can be whatever ages you want them to be. Um, you can be wherever you want to be with whoever you want to be at whatever time you want to be. But the only question is, if you woke up tomorrow, what would your ideal day be? Well, I think I would be, I would be waking <laughs> up in a in a beautiful a beautiful room, and I would probably then go down and have a lovely swim in my swimming pool that mm. I don't have yet. <laughs> uh, and, and then I would have some delicious breakfast with my husband we'd have something nice to eat and we'd probably take the dog for a walk and then we'd think about doing a little bit of work that's work that we enjoy that's on our terms from home um, I'd probably be chatting to you know various different people throughout the day who are either my clients or are people who I work with that energise me um, I'd spend some time reading in the sunshine in the afternoon. And ideally go out to somewhere, one of my favourite restaurants for dinner. There's, an, um, there's a beautiful restaurant in um, Norfolk that we love called the, called the White Horse in Brancaster State. Amazing seafood. They just do really lovely seafood. So probably dinner there, nice glass of Sauvignon Blanc, watch the sunset, you know. That, that sounds like a nice day. <laughs> it sounds like an ideal day to me. Um, and I think you're probably not too far off being able to achieve that. Okay, you don't have your own swimming pool, but I'm sure there's swimming pools nearby. Everything else, as far as I'm concerned, I feel like you could probably achieve that. So <laughs> Yeah. And this is the thing, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work over the years, to be fair, <laughs> to try and get me to a place where I can be happy every day and I can create a life that I love. And so... You know, that's I, I, I try and prioritise what's important to me and mm-hmm. and have better boundaries. And uh, yeah, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not too far off it. I don't live quite close enough. Um, the, the dream probably would be to have a lovely house by the coast in Norfolk. But uh, but that's that's perhaps a few years off yet. So maybe one day, maybe one day, keep the dreams alive. Um, I really like this exercise. I, I, I'm going to uh, advise all of our listeners to go away and do it themselves, and then uh, and then have a think about how far away they are from uh, mm-hmm. from from that goal um, and what they can do to bring it closer. Um, because it's a it's a really nice exercise. Um, what I will also advise all of them to do is to uh, do a few things. Actually, I would advise them to go and buy your book. Um, and I would advise them to um, read everything they can that you have offered in terms of um, advice on all of the different uh, social media platforms. Um, and I'd also advise them to connect with you if they would like some uh, personal support and personal help, because um, I know how brilliant you are. And we've known each other for a few years. Um, and uh, I know that the work you do will really help other people. Um, so um, the only problem with all of that is um, that at the moment, they don't know where to buy your book. Um, where to see all your social media posts or where to find you. So can you maybe let our listeners know uh, how that can happen? Yes, I can. So if you go to lucygriffinstiff.com, or one word, uh, you will find access to everything there. So you'll find my um, course, What Lies Beneath, which is all about unpicking your stories. Um, and you will find access to either the hardback version of my book, which is a hardback deluxe limited edition, um, that's only available from my website or if you want the paperback which is still fabulous uh, that's available on Amazon so you can you can if you type my name into Amazon Lucy Griffin Stiff 
the book will come up quicker than if you typed in the Create a Life You Love journal. <laughs> there's there's a few books that sound similar. Um, so yeah, so my, basically you'll find everything on my on my website um, and I'm on LinkedIn as my name, Lucy Griffin Stiff. So yeah, I'm quite easy, quite easy to find. Amazing. And of course, we will put all of the information and all the links on the show notes and on our website as well to, uh, to make it as easy as possible for everyone. But for everyone out there, I hope you haven't fallen in too hard um, in chapter one. I hope that when you fell in chapter two, you maybe realised a little bit more about what was happening. I hope that by the time you got to chapter three, um, you were <laughs> making your way, uh, making your way around the areas that you were falling into. And I hope that soon, once you have had discussions and support and help from Lucy, um, that chapter four will be a life of um, freedom um, where you are completely comfortable <laughs> with moving forward, uh, reflecting back and moving forward in the way that you want to. But all of these chapters, we're on chapter five with Lucy right now, having, <laughs> having a lovely chat on this podcast. And it's been such a pleasure. I've learned so much. I'm sure our listeners will have too. Um, and I've also just enjoyed it. So thank you so much for coming on, Lucy. It's been amazing. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been really nice to see you. It's been a while since we had a chat. It really has. It really has. Um, we will, as always, finish with a story from Puck Creations. My mind was made up. I was going to become the best in the world. Nobody could stop me. I practiced day and night, night and day, day and night. I got better and better until no one could beat me. They tried. They practiced too. They even cheated sometimes, but no. My dedication had gone into becoming the best and I was never going to let that go. Oh, it felt good to be the best in the world. I enjoyed being able to look down my nose at the little people and they didn't even seem to mind. There was a respect. They knew I had worked harder, fought faster and been better. After a while, it got a bit boring. So I decided to give head starts. That didn't do much, so I played against two or three of them at the same time. Those matches were a bit closer, but my fulfilment was dwindling. When she walked through the door, we were all confused. We'd never seen her before. Where could she have come from? We've got one of those in our country, she said. I had no idea what a country was, but in my arrogance, I laughed and said, so do you play? She did. She played and she played and she played. Every time she played, she beat me again and again and again. I teamed up with five people at one point, but she beat us all. Little did I know that I wasn't the best in the world after all. You've just been listening to an episode of the Storytelling with Puck podcast. Your support keeps our podcast going, so please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. Subscribe to keep up to date with the latest episodes and never forget the importance of sharing your stories.